0: When I named this podcast Twitter Travels for Pete over a year ago, I had no idea how prescient that name would be. How could I know that Pete Buttigieg would be nominated to be Secretary of Transportation by President-elect Joe Biden? Secretary Mayor Pete Buttigieg. This exciting news has prompted all of Team Pete to learn as much as we can about transportation. And thus, welcome to Twitter Travels for Pete, Transportation Edition. Welcome back, everyone. Today's episode is about aviation. Well, we've heard about highways. Now it's time to talk about aviation. A big topic. And to help me today is Michelle. Now, I discovered Michelle, who is on Twitter because she had written this fantastic thread about the FAA. And uh, that's under the hashtag learnaboutDOT. So I thought, oh, this is so interesting. I'd love to interview her. So here she is today. Michelle, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Glad to be here. Yeah, so your team, Pete. That's uh, everybody that I interview, of course, Twitter travels for Pete. Yeah, transportation. Yes. We we all know each other from the Pete world. So could you tell us? Started by telling us how you were involved in the campaign. Now you're from the Dallas area. Is that correct?
1: I am from I'm from Texas, and when a friend of mine, before Pete even officially declared, a friend of mine from Florida had posted Pete's. Um, Town hall from CNN. And he was like, ah, this, you know, this guy's going to be running for president. And I watched it and I was hooked. I was like, better who?
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh no. yeah. That must've been uh, happening a lot then. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, you know, I thought,
1: oh yeah, I'm going to support Beto or Kamala. You know, it was going to be one of those two. And then, oh yeah, you know what, Corey Booker too. And then just Pete happened. And it was all Pete all the time, you know, became a supporter. I started immediately posting on, on Twitter and on Facebook. Hey, this is the guy I'm going to support. And little by little, you know, people paid attention and my cousins were like, oh yeah, he's the one. I mean, and my cousin, she's, she was in Arizona and she was, um, on board too, from before his announcement. And so I was just always team Pete, you know, watched his official announcement, crying, tears in my eyes, just followed him all summer. Everything on Twitter became part of this big team Pete family that we have. And it was just, um, you know, absolutely amazing. I got involved in the Texas for Pete campaign. Um, I went to his rally in Austin of, in August of 2019 front and center. I mean, got their first front of the line, you know, made sure that I was, I was, you know, saw him in Chaston and then the wonderful mayor, um, Adler of Austin, who was on board with Pete from the beginning as well, which I think was really important um, for Pete's pretty organic growth here in Texas. And um, I Decided to to really get involved. We went to various Democrat meetings in our counties, Dallas County, Tarrant County, State of Texas, and I just basically stumped for Pete at Democrat groups everywhere.
0: You were stumping, Yeah. yeah.
1: And um, I was there when setting up for an event when he dropped out. Um, it was he was supposed to come to Dallas and he dropped out, and it was probably one of the most heartbreaking things I ever went through. It was it was very difficult.
0: Yes, because d- Dallas was, the plane was supposed to be going to Dallas. And then exactly. I think many of us saw this, this little video clip of him on the plane saying, well, we're changing, we have a change of flight plan. We're going yeah. to South Bend. South yeah. Bend.
1: And, um, you know, we were all setting up and all of a sudden, you know, kind of everybody stopped and staffers started running. And there was, those of us who were, you know, really heads of the volunteer groups, we were told to stop checking people in, stop everything. We were expecting 5,000 people at this beautiful park in Dallas. Um, and then it just came out on Twitter and, you know, I just burst into tears. I was like, oh my God. And started crying and we were all were crying. And one of my best friends was there with me, a very old friend of mine, you know, he was just like, oh my God, girl. And, um, a friend, another friend of mine from the campaign, we were actually on the front page of I think the the Washington Post, or one of the a big paper hugging um, when he dropped out, and it was like the back of my head, and her, and um, you know, my sister's texting me, "Are you okay?" My dad is calling me, "Are you okay?" My friends, I mean, everybody who I knew that knew how important it was to me, they were calling and texting, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" Um, but it was the most fulfilling thing I think that I've ever done, and I am so ready to do it again.
0: Yeah, like many people have the same the same feeling that we went down the rabbit hole pretty quickly once we saw him, and then uh, we were all in, and uh, now he's going to be he's the designate secretary designate of the Department of Transportation, so we can be, still be supporting him in that way. And then, like you said, you're ready to do it again. We're ready to you know we're we're ready to go,
1: ready to you know follow everything he does as the, as the Secretary of Transportation. I. You know, super excited about it,
0: yeah, and you're in particular excited about um, the, what could he could do to help improve things with the FAA
1: yeah, yeah, especially um, hey, maybe not have people that are sick with coronavirus go to work and shut down the airspace for a few hours. That would be good. <laughs> Encourage people to stay home when they're sick for some reason, people are going to work sick, and I don't know if it's part of the culture. That needs to change there, you know, with, oh, report to work at all costs, no matter what, you know, suck it up kind of culture that we have here in America and maybe a subculture of of what goes through it, what they go through at air traffic control. So, hey, yeah, Pete, if you're listening, that's one other thing that.
0: (laughs) One more thing. Well, okay, so let's start out by uh, why don't you tell us about your your background in aviation Did it start very early on? It
1: did. Um, When we moved here to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I was 13 years old and everybody knew somebody who worked for American or Southwest because I lived in a suburb that was close to the airports. And I thought, oh, when I grew up, I'd really like to do that. And so when I was in college, uh, I worked part-time at American airlines. And then once I graduated, instead of going into the traditional career field that I thought I was going to go into, I decided to go full-time at American and I did almost everything you could do. I started out as a ticket agent. I worked reservations. Then I worked my way through supervisory and management operations, um, Worked for U.S. Airways, then got into the IT side of aviation, uh, worked for a couple big reservation service providers and contract work with a whole lot of different airlines. JetBlue, Virgin, Alaska, Silver, um, some international airlines, Southwest, um, British Airways. Oh, my goodness.
0: I had no idea that you were <laughs> – that's a broad experience, and when you say you worked in I.T. even. Yeah. And
1: I kind of discovered the I.T. side
0: wasn't what I wanted to do. So I came back
1: over to more of a um, aviation focused career. And now I work um, with a very large uh, F.A.A. certified training facility Uh keeping track of our instructors and our pilots who then in turn train pilots from all over the world, from private to small airlines. So it's just kind of something that it gets in your blood and you can't get away with it. You can't get away from it. Aviation people are, we're like a special breed and kind of a family. It doesn't matter what airline you're in or if you're a private pilot or a corporate flight attendant or commercial, it's kind of a, a shared kinship almost a community kind of within, you know, just it itself. Oh,
0: yeah. My husband worked for Northwest Airlines and then Delta, so I know what you mean. You sort of get addicted to that the pace. and Well, in your thread that you wrote on Twitter, you started out with a lot of facts about how broad the, the FAA is. And I, I'm going to just let you take it. I don't want to read, you know, exactly what you you wrote, but if you... It's it's more than what people realize.
1: Yeah, I mean, the FAA is the largest agency under the Department of Transportation. And me, myself, I've always wanted to work for the FAA. So, you know, I've still kind of got high hopes to maybe um, be employed there someday. So we'll kind of see. But basically, the FAA is responsible for the safety of civil aviation from commercial airlines to private To the way pilots are trained, to um, what their requirements are, to making sure airlines follow their own rules, to oversight of anything from pilot training to flight attendant training to ground safety to um, maintenance and uh, just whatever's done in the sky. I mean, it encompasses directly, you know, their. 45 to 50,000 employees, plus half a half a billion more people, everybody who works for every airline and every everything to do with aviation on the ground, we ultimately are reporting to the FAA. I mean, we report to our companies who report to the FAA. But so that's kind of why, really, I was excited when Pete got this um, Department of Transportation, Secretary of Transportation, because I was like, man, you know, if I couldn't work have directly pete be president my goodness how cool is it to to work indirectly for him and it just is really exciting because there's there's a lot of work that needs to be done in my opinion
0: yes i know that you the first thing that you mentioned was the air traffic control system
1: yeah i mean the air traffic control system there is a whole faa next gen initiative out there and they have been updating and upgrading the air traffic control system um but it's something that's going to go through twenty twenty five. I mean, it's not just the modernization of the control tower itself and and things like that, but weather surveillance, even environmental initiatives, are part of the next gen twenty twenty five initiative. And some of the things that have changed is navigation. They've switched to satellite-based navigation as opposed to ground-based navigation. Um, There's been a lot of the upgrades to the weather systems, which are better equipped to disseminate information to airports and pilots to reduce delays on the ground, um, reducing departure and arrival delays kind of better weather better weather planning that gets out to the airline so they can cancel flights ahead of time instead of canceling flights when people are already at airports and they get mad and and you know just kind of turns into a crap show I guess you could say um, but it's it's really encompasses a lot of things and a lot of it was funded under the Obama administration and there are things that did happen under this administration, but there, there's a lot that needs to be done, especially in the, in the green.
0: So can you explain what, so is that primarily fuel or what else would be under the area?
1: One of the things that they were looking at is alternative jet fuels. Um, because everybody knows that aviation does have a lot of environmental challenges. However, a lot of the newer aircraft do run a lot cleaner um, than the old ones that have since been retired. We've got, you know, new next generation aircraft coming from Airbus and Boeing, which has replaced a lot of your older 747s that don't really fly anymore. MD80s don't really fly anymore because they're dirty. Mm -hmm. And they kind of did a lot of research and and are trying to use a fuel with less lead, I don't know if they'll get to unleaded fuel, because one of the things that is a really big challenge in that is that a fuel replacement most likely will um, require modifications to existing engines on the aircraft, even the cleanest ones that are out today, and that is going to be a huge expense um, on the airlines, which you know, they really wouldn't want to pass on to the consumer. And I know there are some folks that have pipe dreams out there that say, well, you know, we don't need to have domestic aircraft. We can run clean trains and we can run, um, you know, different types of, of transportation that don't involve flying because flying is so environmentally unfriendly. But, you know, that's that's not really realistic. I mean, the airline industry employs half a billion people, 500,000 people. Uh, what are you going to do with all those people? All those people cannot transfer their skills to, to train. So the answer to that is just keep research and, and keep making air travel as safe and um, environment environmentally friendly as possible.
0: Yes, that's so important. And things are changing so quickly with, with technology and uh, like new products, new discoveries. And it's hard. Keeping up with that takes money. You said something about and it hasn't been updated since 1978 am i wrong with that yeah there are uh, before the next gen initiative um they were running the
1: same systems as ni- in 1978 and there are still some some back end systems that are on the these old technologies which um they they need to make sure that we can keep modernizing this because it is um, safety i mean you'll hear of even now today near misses on on runways near misses in the air and all of that is you know contributed not only to to older technology but also um, lack of funding for adequate staff and and our control towers need to be staffed a little bit more than they are and I think um, most people would would agree with that and that that takes funding and that takes an administration that's going to put the importance in these, domestic agencies that maybe nobody thinks about, but they really do affect everybody every day.
0: Oh, that's a little scary. Uh, but uh, it's interesting because I was thinking, oh, uh, the systems need to be updated. But oh, no, it's more than that. They they need more people.
1: Yeah, they, they do need more people. Um, you know, if, if you kind of just read about things that happen, a lot of it can be contributed to maybe, you know, somebody fell asleep or, you know, they thought somebody was in the tower and nobody was there um, in a, in a smaller airport or a smaller zone. So, you know, if you dig into different aviation, um, news websites, there's, there's a lot of little pieces that are out there and you kind of read that and go, Hmm, I wonder why that's happening. Oh, because it's not a priority. So
0: it takes somebody, somebody, I wonder who, I know a guy, uh, to, to make it a priority. Exactly. Um, and Pete being, a civil
1: servant and spending so many years as mayor, he knows how to run an agency. He knows um, what's going to need to be done, just for for the day to day things that uh, that affect people and and the bureaucracy that comes with it, and um, you know different work groups wanting different things and and kind of how to put all those puzzle pieces together. Um, I mean, he's he's a guy that was interested in aviation. His first career path he thought he wanted to be a pilot so I was like man this is a man after my own heart we are cut from the same cloth
0: he was <laughs> so disappointed to learn that his so, eyesight wasn't good enough that that was sad <laughs> I
1: know I know now he could probably get LASIK and, and go to flight school and I would invite Pete Buttigieg to come visit ours I would love to have one of our pilots take him for a spin oh my gosh simulator. he would
0: love that well, you could uh, yeah get arrange for Chasten to give it to him for a gift <laughs>
1: yeah if he if he happens to listen to this podcast, um, you know, look us up. We will get you into wow. a simulator.
0: Yeah. So you you just can't get, give up the field of aviation. It's too exciting. Too exciting. Exactly.
1: I mean, it's it's the biggest. You know, and it, it has to be a strong agency. Um, or things are going to happen. For example, the the fiasco with the Boeing seven thirty seven Max. Yes. that airline was taken out of service after a series of incidents that were really caused by lack of oversight um, by the FAA. Basically the FAA let Boeing test and investigate itself when it came to putting this aircraft out there. And, you know, things like that take money and it takes time. And I don't think it was, the smartest thing to do at all i mean you can't just investigate yourself you know um yeah it's (laughs) you know i I was just flabbergasted when i read the report um that kind of came out concluding the investigation of what happened boeing had a lot of influence over the faa oversight multiple career faa officials documented examples of of you know, things that happened, it just was a terrible culmination of failures at Boeing and the FAA. Um, Boeing withheld information from the FAA and the FAA, um, like I said, let them investigate themselves and, and test themselves. And um, they gave them kind of a playing field just to, you know, self-regulate basically. And you really can't do that. Right. And that that was and very. In the long concerning. run, that
0: did not help. <laughs> did not no, help them. It did
1: not. Um, yeah. And it's it's crazy because when that the seven thirty seven report came out, it was just a couple days before before I went to an event an event with Pete. Um, I went to a fundraiser here in January in Dallas, and um, this being an area where Southwest Airlines and American both had to ground airplanes and lose a lot of money and cancel a lot of flights, I was really concerned. And so I did get the opportunity to ask him the question about how would he strengthen the FAA and rebuild the trust and increase oversight and kind of cut down on this internal cronyism that, caused that and he seemed to be really thrilled with the question because it was a different question that I don't think he'd ever been asked before and he hadn't answered anything about the FAA and so and also the crowd I think there were a few people that did work for American and Southwest and and were really interested to hear on what he would do to, to strengthen the agencies that we all report to. Um,
0: I can't believe that you were, you asked the transportation question. He ended up being uh, secretary for d- department of transportation.
1: Yeah. It, you know, it was, it was, that's cool. Crazy because, you know, him, him being the, the secretary of the DOT now, it just almost, I feel like I was like, wow, was I I predicting something? and I didn't even know it maybe I should play the lottery.
0: Right. And then you said that uh, restore trust, too. I don't know if you intended to um, state it that way. Yeah, I don't know how much. <laughs> but trust... then he wrote the book on trust.
1: Yeah, I don't know how much trust the public really has in the FAA after this. I think after, you know, this being well publicized, and a lot of people can can read about the failures and, and kind of what happened, how much trust do they have that the FAA has their best interest in mind? Um, I mean, there's been a lot of things over the past few years, just there's a a major airline that has been accused of cronyism with the FAA. Um, you know, the headline was diversion, distraction and power. Federal investigation slams FAA oversight of, of yeah. an airline. <laughs> that's pretty um, bad. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's right.
1: You know, this and I don't, I'm not going to mention the airline. You know, somebody can can look it up if they want to. Um, but just, you know, there were a lot of safety concerns and um, when this airline bought planes from carriers in China, Canada, Argentina, the FAA approved those planes the same day reports were submitted, even though it should take three to four weeks to vet every plane. Like, how does that happen?
0: So, do you do you see? Um, was this the last four years? This most recent administration this so is recent is yeah, it this tied is, to this was
1: within the, the last so, four
0: years yeah we don't know if that is because of who um is in the white house setting the tone or what i and it's way beyond me to speculate <laughs> but as you said it's the last four years within the last four years exactly and and this
1: airline also filed for new routes um which normally would take a lot longer for approval than it did, um, so that's kind of another thing. It's you know there's a lot of lot of internal I think internal cronyism that goes along with some of these agencies, and I think Pete is the best person to kind of you know put his foot down and you know say that's you know that's not going to happen. And one of the things that did happen under Trump, um, he signed executive orders that required the FAA to cut regulations. Yeah. Hmm. And part of that contributed to the Boeing problem. Um, And that was really in the shift uh, in the approach to product certification, you know, self-certifying saying, Oh yeah, everything's fine. Well, if you don't have anybody looking at what you're doing and you're trying to push a new product out because people are ordering it, you're going to make billions upon billions of dollars. Of course you're going to certify yourself. It's, and I'm not saying that Boeing, purposely said, Oh, we're going to, you know, we're going to do something unsafe and kill people. No, absolutely not. I mean, these are amazing, smart people that work for Boeing. You know, I'm sure they had every intention of, you know, wanting a safe aircraft to go forward, but the oversight just wasn't there. Um, and I think, you know, this, this was rushed to market. Um, and when, uh, this whole recertification process went through it, not just the the system that caused these, these crashes. Um, but there were a couple other things that the FAA found with this aircraft that needed to be corrected. And so it's, it's, you know, been corrected and the airlines are testing the flights and they're, they're doing unmanned flights now um, to, Take their you know employees on they call them flights to nowhere to prove this the safety of the seven thirty seven max. But you know I don't know. Like I said, I don't know how much trust the the public is going to have in it. It's it's going to take some time. Personally, I will trust you know the recertification process, um, especially given the fact that it won't be a hundred percent approved until the next administration comes in. And I, I can hundred percent trust that Pete is not going to let any corners be cut. Uh, in in the safety and and certification of this aircraft and you know something that would affect the flying public and you know even people that don't fly because god forbid you know we've all seen the cases where there's a plane incident and and it lands on houses or buildings or people you know so um it, it not just affects people that fly but it can affect people that don't fly and
0: that's a good point definitely
1: yeah so i i just um you know, cautiously optimistic um, that that you know the best aircraft product will be be put forward, and um, you know we've got a couple new airlines forming that are waiting in the wings to to be certified as as you know flying um, certified as being able to to serve the public. Um, so that's another thing that we can look forward to here in the next four years, um, and I'm I'm
0: kind of excited to see what these new airlines will do. I'll be watching for that because I haven't been keeping up. What do you think about um, now after COVID when, you know, because of course there are f- a lot fewer people are traveling or flying and it's really, the, the airlines are struggling. Do you see anything, you know, coming back from this, bouncing back once that it's just going to be, it's just going to happen or they're going to be some,
1: Absolutely. It's it's going to happen, um, especially with the vaccine. I think, um, you know, different countries are going to require people to be vaccinated to come in. It's it's no different than you have to go to some, some countries and you have to show that you're having measles vaccine or yellow fever or this, that, and the other. And I know that people, you know, freak out, oh, I'm not going to have a vaccine and carry a card. Well, that's been part of flying to other countries for years, you know? Um, and if airlines want to require it, that's, you know, they're private businesses. They're not um, you know, public entities. I mean, they're, they're private businesses and they have the right to set whatever rules that they need to set to keep people safe. Um, I've seen the protocols and I know several people, you know, that work in on, on board as flight attendants and pilots. And I can tell you that I have absolutely no qualms about, about flying, um, and, and being safe. I think it's probably one of the safest places, safest businesses out there, because they are so very strict and so very stringent. And if anybody wants to throw fit about not wearing a mask, they are quickly escorted off of the airplane and off the premises. And I kind of wish all businesses would do that. But, you know, <laughs> that's that's not the way it is. But the airline um, industry is very resilient. And I think what's going to happen is, you know, more and more people are going to get the vaccine and, and people are going to be Basically, you know, scrambling to to want to do something because people have passed, you know, probably it's going to be close to eighteen months um, without taking vacations and without traveling, and you know, feeling that they could freely move around safely. And so, I think it's gonna it's gonna come back booming, probably better than ever. The airline industry was on track to to I think gain ten percent a year um, between now and the year twenty twenty five with air traffic expected to, to grow by 50%. And so I, you know, it slowed down a little bit, but, you know, it's, it's going to come back. And I think, um, a lot of lessons were learned from, from COVID about how to deal with the pandemic and, and different protocols and different technologies that can keep people safe. Um, and different ways that, you know, uh, voice recognition, face recognition, touchless, a lot of touchless technology. So there's, Going to be a lot of new job creation, I think, on the technology side. Yeah, and just um, more jobs in 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 the handling side. You know, you need more pilots, more flight attendants, um, more ground handling personnel. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's 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 going to come back, and I'm super excited to to see.
0: Well, I was coast. concerned about business travel because my husband had a quarterly meeting in Chicago, and now they can just easily do it you know, remote on Zoom. And so I'm wondering if there'll be a a decline in business travel.
1: You know, that's kind of hard to say because there is nothing like that face-to-face contact. I know,
0: I know. Um, I really miss it.
1: Being able to, to see like a product and go to a convention and meet people face-to-face. You know, it's, I, I don't know. I mean, we've had the technology for years and, and COVID kind of, know made it so but you know there are certain things that you really can't do virtually um you kind of have to do it um in person
0: I agree and especially if it's if it's going to be like 18 months of a of a difference like we're really sick of it so if it's just like uh you know a short time then it would be like well let's just switch to to remote and now it's like no
1: (laughs) I get me out of my house I think maybe some companies will reduce it, but I don't think it'll be eliminated, eliminated altogether um, at all. So it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. And I've actually, and I've thought about it myself because I did work in a job where I was a consultant and I was traveling like Monday through Thursday, sometimes for weeks at a time. Um, and I kind of always thought, well, God, I could do this from home. Why do they have me traveling so much? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but there, there are some things that, that you kind of need to do face-to-face, and there are other things that can be remote. Um, you know, even if, if maybe somebody traveled every week, maybe they're going to just travel once a month. You know, it's like, I, said, I, I don't know. I think that's really going to be the biggest um, question mark because most airlines do make 75% of their profits from business travel, not leisure travel um so yeah it's 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 gonna be really interesting
0: yes and we don't know if then the prices will go up for leisure travel because of that but yeah and I don't know to be honest
1: with you the price for leisure travel has been the same for 20 years wow it's how if you look at it I found a ticket that you know, we went on a family vacation to Florida 20 years ago, and I want to say the price of the ticket was like $175 round trip. That's what I paid two years ago to go to Orlando for the Daytona 500.
0: Right. So the the variables there are, you know, how far in advance do you buy the ticket? Blah, blah. Yeah.
1: Even, even then, I mean, you can, you can get good deals two weeks in advance, three weeks in advance. It's, you know, and everybody makes this big deal. Oh, the airlines are raising the prices under the You know, they're doing this that, and the other. It's like. Do do some research. The prices have not changed. The airlines are only making profit because you know they charge for bags and they charge for advanced seating and you know those kind of things that used to be free. But you know if you want it, you can buy it. But if you don't want it, you can travel dirt cheap. I mean, even on the on American, um, you know, hundred dollars round trip to Miami, and that's not only during COVID. You know, that, that would just be a, a special that will come around every once in a while in the off season. So deals are out there and, and I just don't want to hear about, oh, how air travel is so expensive because it's not. It has not kept up with inflation at all. And and we are very fortunate um, that it hasn't because if it would have kept up with inflation, you know, your cheapest ticket would be probably $500, not, you know, 75
0: Well, you're a, a great spokesperson for the industry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I, I i absolutely love it i mean i eat sleep and oh breathe my gosh aviation. you're the
0: one to talk to then for sure
1: yeah it's one of my top five things i mean it's airlines and travel pete Buttigieg, nascar the dallas mavericks and tacos <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's pretty much like well, you my know top yourself. five things in life
0: <laughs> well yeah. would pete, pete would share the tacos with you yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm sure he would. Um, So you did incorporate a lot of what Pete can do for the FAA as you were talking. But is there anything else you'd like to say about why you think he's uniquely suited for the position of secretary of transportation?
1: I'm just, you know, his his public service, his civil service. I don't think um, we've ever had somebody with his unique experience heading up. The FAA. Someone who you know not only was a mayor but also ran for president and has such a respect and a following, not just from the public but from the other candidates. I mean, Joe and Kamala didn't pick him, you know, for no reason. They know that he can, you know, lead this organization and strengthen it and and bring the trust back um, and oversee things in a fair and decent manner. Um, He's never been one to, you know, be the one with, like I said, the cronyism and, um, you know, the influence, you know, he does his own thing. And he doesn't, you know, sometimes, you know, he doesn't care what other people think.
0: Yeah, he has a high degree of integrity. Yeah, he says what he says and
1: and he means it. You know, if he makes a promise, um, I believe that he's going to follow through because... He did a lot for his city, and what he did for his city, I'm sure he is going to carry over and, and do for this country. And I think, you know, he'll probably be the first president um, that has served as the Secretary of Transportation. Wow,
0: I like hearing that.
1: <laughs> yeah, because so I know he's he's gonna he's gonna do it someday, and um, I'll be excited to to be along yes, for the ride. Me too.
0: Well, my last question is, what's on your dream list for future development uh, for the FAA? Anything aviation related? Let's think big, think dreams, future. What what would you love to see happen? No, I would like
1: to see supersonic travel come back, Uh, you know, the two-hour coast-to-coast, like the Concorde. I know that wasn't the most fuel-efficient or was it the most cost-efficient airplane out there, but, boy, it was really cool. Just, you know, seeing the pictures of it and, and you know, the stories of people who could travel from New York to London in three and a half hours, you know, as opposed to, you know, six or seven. You know, there's just so much technology out there. Um, I'd really, the clean energy is, is big. I mean, electric planes, you know, maybe someday like the Tesla of, of aviation. You know, who knows? Maybe it could happen with, with your smaller corporate aircraft. Um, that's usually kind of where those kind of things start. Um, Because there's some really amazing aircraft out there, and and I just hope um, you know people keep flying and keep developing. Um, You know, you've got your you know Gulfstream who is developing some amazing new uh, corporate size aircraft and fuel efficient and quiet and fast and just state of the art.
0: Well, how much this is making me wonder how much of what's developed in the military is it crosses over to commercial or I mean yes by the time it does cross over it's really old right (laughs) it wouldn't be it wouldn't be new new technology
1: yeah um, you know just uh, the you know the weather systems always can be be upgraded and updated Um, I think uh, maybe the hurricane hunter um, aircraft in the NOAA uh, needs a little bit more funding um, to, to better kind of predict what what hurricanes are going to do. And and I know some of the hurricane, under, hurricane hunter aircraft are a little bit on the older
0: side. So maybe, you know, maybe some new aircraft mm. for them would, would be nice. Uh, I love your wish list. I'm so excited about the field of aviation now oh. after talking to you because. Yeah, or my wish list, if anybody from the FAA is listening, hey,
1: I love my company and my job, but it's been my dream to work for the FAA. So hit me up. <laughs>
0: Well, what would you like to do for the FAA?
1: Oh, you know, I I would like to be, um, you know, a safety inspector for on the ground, for um, holding the airlines accountable for what they do on the ground, for the rules that they make uh, for their carry-ons and, um, you know, how their folks board the aircraft and, you know, customer-wise, what what they project to the customers is actually what they follow. There's a whole department that handles that, and that's kind of like – something that oh. i would like to do
0: well good luck i'm gonna we'll put that out into the universe right so if it's not you know eventually it's going to get to the faa and uh your g- your dream will come true
1: yeah and i love your boss so hey yeah
0: there <laughs> oh my gosh this has been so much fun talking to you and and together we're we'll be still on team pete on twitter uh, I should say what who you are on Twitter because I didn't say that. La Green Eyes 03?
1: Yep, La, La Green Eyes O Three. La, La
0: Green Eyes.
1: La, La Green Eyes. Yeah, 03. and that comes. It's kind of a that's kind of a um spin on a movie, um from the '90s. There was it's called Mi Vida Loca, and there was a girl on there called La Blue Eyes because she had blue eyes, and I have green eyes. And since that, my friends have called me La Green Eyes, and so. <laughs> that's my handle on Twitter and my handle on Instagram. So, and on Snapchat.
0: Wow. You're everywhere. Uh, but then your name, you have Michelle. And then in parentheses, Buttigieg is my big boss.
1: Yep. Buttigieg is my big boss.
0: So. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I can't Follow wait. me
1: on Twitter for everything Pete, travel, aviation, NASCAR, um, diversity, focusing on Latin America and also the Dallas Mavericks and the NBA. Look, I complain a lot about the NBA and I complain a lot about the major league baseball too. So.
0: (laughs) Well, that's, you know, Twitter's a good place for complaining, right? Exactly. (laughs) Well, thank you very much for talking to me today. I know I learned a lot and I know the list, my listeners are going to love this episode. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to Twitter Travels for Pete, Transportation Edition. I hope you learned something new. I know I did.